You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Good day. This is Rick Franzi. You're listening to Orange County's longest running business talk show. We have an interesting show planned for you. Why? Because we have a very interesting guest. He's multidimensional. Mark Hirschberg, welcome to Critical Mass Business Talk Show. Thanks for having me on. It's my pleasure to be here this morning. So when I say you're multidimensional, I mean you're an author and a speaker. So you're a content creator. You're also an app developer. And you work extensively with early stage and startup companies to help them to scale. And those are the three areas that I would like to cover with you today when I have you on the program. Fantastic. Let's get into it. So let's take them in that order. Let's start with your latest book, The Career Toolkit. So first question, what was the motivation to make the commitment to write the book? You know, I didn't plan to write a book. 20 some years ago at MIT, we identified there was a skills gap. Companies were asking for a number of skills like leadership, communication, networking, negotiating in the people they hire. This is not just the MIT students they hire, not just engineers, not just students, everyone universally. These are the skills companies want, but no one is teaching them. So we created a program referred to as MIT's Career Success Accelerator. I helped to create the program. I've been teaching there for over two decades. It's a very hands-on class, so our students aren't taking a lot of notes. They're doing. And I thought, let me write up notes for the class. Well, 20 pages of notes became 40, became 80. And pretty soon I said, you know, I think this is not notes. This is a book. And that's what led to it. So how long after you had that epiphany did you actually get the book published? What's the gestation period for the actual creation of the book? You know, that, that's a funny question. The writing took me about four and a half months. Now, the caveat, because everyone says, how do you write a book that quickly? Well, I've been teaching it for 20 plus years. Mm-hmm. So it was just the time it took to get out of my head onto paper. I didn't have to think through, oh, what do we want to say here? Because we've time tested what we're talking about in the book. We know what works. We know how to explain it well. But then the process of actually executing on the book, I had a whole bunch of setbacks and bumps. And it really threw me because I've been a CTO, a chief technology officer, and I'm a fractional CTO now. I've run multi-million dollar projects, global projects. <laughs> a book. Okay, yeah, this is, this is easy. And boy, it was just one little bump after another. So I'm wondering, over the time since the research was first done and the courses have been taught and technology evolution, have the key things that employers are looking for across the board, have they evolved or are they pretty constant from what the original research suggested? They're fairly constant. Certainly the skills desired haven't changed. If you think about, for example, networking, it's about human relationships. Now, there have been small changes. For example, I can do a virtual coffee with someone today, and that can help me to extend my network to build that relationship. In 2016, if I said, hey, let's do a virtual coffee, we'll sit on video and do that, you're going to look at me and go, what are you talking about? Right. But the act of building that relationship is the same. I would note communication in general, we have to slightly adjust how we communicate 
from when I stood in front of 50 people in a room to looking at 50 people on a Zoom screen. There are some small, subtle changes, but the larger ideas certainly still apply. So books like How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie, the, the concepts that were written about back then in some ways are still relevant in today's business environment. And that's what your MIT research was pointing to. Certainly the larger concepts. Some of the individual techniques get a little stale right. or change culturally, but yes, larger concepts, absolutely they hold up. So, so your book, it feels like uh, universal truths as it relates to what employers are looking for. And that's hard to find in today's ever shifting sands of business. And, you know, it's, is it a fad? Is it going to be disintermediated by technology? It sounds like what you, your research suggested in your book talks about the techniques and the implementation may be different because of enabling technologies, but the concepts are ever true. And I, even in the concept stage, really try to get to the fundamentals, to things that will apply, not just for today, but 10, 20, 40 years from now. I'm sure there'll be some little tweaks. Who knows where we'll be in 40 years? But yes, they are those fundamental business truths. So I've always, you know, I'm in the Renaissance Executive Forum's global network where we're working with thousands of CEOs and exposing them to new concepts and ideas and truisms, et cetera. And, and many times in the meetings that I hold in Orange County, the members say, boy, I wish, you know, generally they're in their mid 40s, et cetera, or older. They say, boy, I wish I would have known this when I was in my 20s and just starting out. So it feels like to me, book, uh, Mark, your book, The Career Toolkit, should really be something, well, it's taught in college should also be exposed to the Gen Z workforce that's coming in and learning to manage their career, as well as later stage professionals. You know, it's funny, that is the number one comment. If you look at our Amazon reviews, it's, I wish I had this 20 years ago. Now, along with the book, on the resources page of the website at the careertoolkitbook.com slash resources, there is a free download, the Career Toolkit Development Program, which is how you can upskill your entire organization to develop these skills. There is no cost to the program, completely free to download. I don't even get it with email. So you can download that and get these skills into everyone on your team. You don't capture emails when you give away something? For I don't. And I've done B2B lead generation. <laughs> we know how it works. I'd rather people take this and use it than I try to monetize you. So I really want it to be accessible. Yeah. I'm not criticizing you. I'm applauding you because generally it's, it's common that I'll give you this if you give me that. And that is usually the email because it's such a valuable thing to aggregate for marketers. So I, I'm, I applaud you. So there are, it's a career, career toolkit. Can you... Uh, highlight maybe a couple aspects of the items that are in the toolkit for people to understand the type of thing they're going to learn about as they read your book? There's 10 chapters in three sections. Section one, careers, how to create and execute a career plan, how to work effectively, things like corporate culture, managing your manager. Third chapter, how to interview, not as a candidate, plenty of content on that, how to interview a candidate. Because so often we say to someone, Rick, welcome to the team. Hey, can you go interview this guy? And you've had no training. We just throw people in. How do we find the right people if we don't know how to do that? So how to interview from the hiring manager side. Second section, leadership and management, a chapter on the fundamentals of leadership. And management, we look at the people side and the process side of management. They're separate but equal in terms of importance. 
And then in the third section, interpersonal dynamics, we cover networking, negotiations, communication, and ethics. 10 chapters. And by the way, you can open the book, jump right to the networking chapter, then go to interviewing. You can read them in any order. The chapters stand alone. They reference each other, but you can read them in any order. It's a toolkit. Pick up the tool you want. Each chapter has a mental shift, how to think differently about the skill, and then concrete, actionable things you can do to get better at. So those are all interesting, and we could spend the rest of the time we have together kind of cherry-picking concepts in the different aspects. The one that really hit my ear was the section on ethics. Um, I believe trust is the lubricant of all successful relationships. Trust links to ethics, I believe. And then ethics and trust lead to the core values and the culture. So can you just explain? express a little bit more about what would I read in that chapter on ethics. And you and I have heard the same mind. The networking chapter starts out talking about trust because you're right. Trust underpins relationships. In the ethics chapter, I talk about how to approach ethics. I don't tell you this is ethical, this isn't. <laughs> Not for me to say. Okay. But the fact is we don't actively think about ethics. And in today's more complicated world, where we're dealing with issues ranging from DEI to is my supply chain being fair trade? Are we treating people correctly? What are the environmental impacts of what we're doing? What are the impacts not just on shareholders or owners, if we're a small business, but our employees, our customers, our suppliers, our local community? How do we start to think about these things? How do we build that into how we work? And so it takes you through how to begin to think about this and how to put up some guardrails so you don't just go and accidentally find yourself one day on the wrong side of that ethical line, however you draw it. And that's an interesting way to say that because it's a slippery slope, I believe, uh, that many times it's a series of unfortunate or bad decisions that end up in a really difficult place that if, it could, if you could have made a different decision upstream, you wouldn't have been over the line, as you just said. Is, is that what you talk about as well, or is that your view? Do you agree with what I just said? 100%. Well, there's a handful of people who say, oh, how can I steal money? Most <laughs> people don't do that. Right. But we get into a situation of how am I going to make payroll? Well, you know, maybe I can do this and I'll, I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll put it back. I just need to do this in this tough situation. And I liken it to fire drills. If you've never heard a fire alarm, never have fire drill, and you're in a building, this blaring alarm goes off and you hear fire, you might panic, you might run, but we've all had fire drills. We remember as a kid, line up, walk slowly, be calm, don't worry. And I've been in buildings where the alarm's gone off and we've all calmly walked, stairs, not elevator. We know what to do. With these ethical situations, they're always stressful. It might not be seconds, but it is, how do I make payroll this Friday? How do I deal with this potential legal issue? And we feel that anxiety and pressure. And if we've had some practice, if we've had some, hey, here's what we do in this situation, we're less likely to take those steps in the wrong direction. You know, I could see how, thank you. I could see how F, the chapter on ethics also blends into negotiation because there could be some unethical negotiations. I could see how the, I, I understand they're discrete chapters and that's fantastic because you can kind of go where your interest is or maybe your weakness is <laughs> or your superpower as the reader. But at the end of the day, I think when all the chapters are put together, 
there is an interconnectivity between the concepts that you write about in the different chapters. There's actually a subsection within the negotiation chapter on unethical negotiating, because you're exactly right. These skills do reinforce and help each other. So they do relate, but you can certainly approach them one at a time if that's how you want. Well, I think this is, I'm glad we've had this amount of time to talk about the book because I believe the book is a manual, a how-to, and could be beneficial certainly for experienced leaders because there's two-way in that, but even more impactful because a longer time for the Gen Zs that are coming into the workforce now who probably are looking for mentors and tools that help to help them learn how to comport themselves to have a successful career. So I, I encourage all the audience to read it. But if you're a leader and maybe you have a Gen Z or a millennial in your company or in your family, this might be a great gift to give them for summer reading. Absolutely. Okay, so let's let's move on to the second of the three things that I wanted to talk about. So you're an author and you're a lecturer and a speaker, but you're also an app developer. So tell us a little bit about your latest app. I am. When you write a book, you say, okay, I want to get this out there. I want people to use it and benefit from it. Now, how often do we read a book and say, wow, this is great. And then you put it down and two weeks later, you have forgotten nearly everything you've read. All that is not helpful for the reader. Also not helpful for the author because we want you to remember us. We want that word of mouth marketing. Hey, I read this great book. You don't remember that great book you read two years ago most often. So we want to stay top of mind. And I recognize there is a gap in the market. I actually thought this must be a solved problem. I looked for a tool to do it. It did not. So because I'm a technologist, because I work in education, I recognized we can create an app to do this using education techniques, using spaced repetition and create an app called BrainBump. We filed a patent on it, built the app. It is for authors of books, authors of blogs, podcasters like yourself, and people who do talks and classes. So the way the app works, it's brainbump.app is the website. And if you go to cognoscomedia.com slash brainbump, that will help you uh, find it. It's available for free on the Android and iPhone stores. And the way it works is as follows. You can see we have a library of content. And down here, we have some additional content. So I can go through and I can look at what content is available. I can find something that looks interesting, learn more about it, perhaps. I can add it. And once it's added, it's always fun doing this backwards in the mirror. <laughs> so once I've added some content, I can click in and I am getting highlights from that content, highlights from one of your shows, highlights from a book. I can flip through it. I can sort, I can filter, I can look for specific types of tips. I can save to favorites, share on social media. Now you also get a push notification once a day at a time you set, and you can turn that off if you don't want, so that it pops up when you need it in a passive way to help you remember. So for example, if you have my book on there, you can use it one of two ways. You can say, I'm walking into a networking event. What are those great networking tips Mark had in his book? They're in my pocket and you pull it out and you quickly look through it right before you walk in the room. The other way is when you think about leadership, oh, there are so many good leadership tips from all your podcasts or Mark's books. Well, you can create a filter, not just for one particular content. You say, I want leadership. I don't care where it comes from. 
and you can set up to so get a notification each day. Say at 9 a.m. as you walk in the office, you get that little pop-up. You go, all right, that's a good tip. Swipe, done. Two seconds a day, and it's going to help you better retain what you hear and what you read. And if you want to go deeper, it's all hyperlinked to take you to the book, to take you to the podcast episode, the blog article, so you can go dive deeper if you want to go a little further into it. So you really have two uh, cohorts you're attracting. One, obviously, the content creators, because you want a rich library. And then two, the users who find value in your, in your content. So how are you approaching each, each cohort to make them aware of the platform and the app? Good question. Now, I've built a number of marketplaces. I've built labor marketplaces. I've built data marketplaces, video marketplaces. And of course, the challenge is you have to have both sides because if we got tens of thousands of users, but there's two pieces of content, I can say, no, thank you. If we had lots and lots of content, but no users, why am I doing this? So right now, and everything is free, right now we're focused on getting more content I've got about 20 people in process. We've got, as you saw, maybe about eight or nine pieces of content. We just came out two weeks ago. So this was the first kind of test cohort. We've got about 20 more being added and I've reached out. We're working on some channel partnerships that are in development to get yet more content. We're focused right now just on business content. So just business related, marketing, entrepreneurship, careers, leadership, Later on, we'll expand to other categories like health and wellness or spirituality or relationships. We can do all sorts of content, but focused on business to start so everyone knows what to expect when they show up. So we're getting more content each week. We're adding more content. And over the summer, our goal is to get to over 100 blogs, podcasts, books. And then, of course, we'll start adding more users who say, wow, now there's a whole bunch of content there. So try it out and recognize we are growing on both sides. We're growing the number of users and we're growing the amount of content. So try it out and know there's always more coming. So I've written three books, but I've done 1300 podcasts. So it seems to me that the uh, energy around keeping it current and the opportunity to share more would come from both authors, but also, and there are now so many podcasters out there who are creating good content. They're really, you could have a very rich ecosystem by having those podcasters putting up their regularly streamed platform information into your, into your tool, I would think as well, right? Absolutely. The podcasters who come on add, let's say they release weekly, they're adding a new tip or two or three each week. Now, it's also great because with such a great catalog, one of the challenges is someone, maybe they recently came and saw what a great show this is. Well, they're not going into that deep catalog. They're not looking at episode 742, but that might have been such an insightful episode. How are they going to find it? But here they might be looking through tips and, wow, there was a brilliant insight from episode 742 that's been surfaced. And now they'll click through and go and listen to that whole episode. So it helps keep your back catalog. In some sense, when you think about social media, for example, it's ephemeral. No one looks at your tweet from six months ago. Unless you said something horrible and now they're penalizing you for it. But here we recognize good advice is timeless. And so your content, these great tips get surfaced to someone every day. We're not just looking at what was your last week's worth of content. We're looking at all your content. 
that's relevant when and where a user wants it. So this sounds very exciting. I have two questions to kind of wrap up this section, at least from my mind, is what will be the monetization plan for your application? Like many tech startups, we will monetize later. First, let's get people. Right. And then once we see there is value, we can say, look, we, we're going to need to get some type of payment so we can keep the lights on, keep developing the server. So we'll monetize down the road once and only once we have delivered value to both sides of the table. And how did you come up with the name? Brain Bump, I have to credit Alexandra Watkins. She has a book called Hello, My Name is Awesome, which <laughs> walks through how to come up with good brands. She, by the way, would be someone great for the show. And I went through her process. The original name was Read and Force. But as you look at it, it could be taken as Read in Force. And mm. it just it looked like a bunch of angry librarians were coming to get you. So I knew that wasn't working. I went through her process and we came up with Brain Bump. So just okay. a little reminder of what you need to know. See how inspiration happens. And so maybe you'll introduce me to Alexandra if you know her. I would love to have her on the program in the Happy future. So. Okay. So I said we're going to talk about three things when we started the show. We've knocked two down. And with the last one is your interest and activity in supporting early stage and startup companies. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Throughout my career, I have launched a number of startup companies. Now, I generally work with tech companies, but I've helped non-tech companies who need to get more technical, including actually a couple Fortune 100 companies. I helped Sears launch a new business unit. I helped NBC launch a new business unit. And what I really enjoy is going into a company and saying, how can we use technology to better automate, to expand into a new area, to scale, to really unlock new opportunities or solve existing problems. So I work these days as a fractional CTPO, Chief Technology and Product Officer, hmm. where I'll consult some number of hours per week, anywhere from about five to 20 per week for a company as we help move them forward on their technology path. And why do you do that? I love it love technology, but I'm not a, well, let's just use technology because it's cool. Let's solve business problems because that's fun and interesting. My tool happens to be technology. If you met a CFO, they might say, oh, we can find all sorts of financial tools mm -hmm. to help you grow, you know, factoring your receivables, for example. That's not what I do, but I can say, let's build some software. Let's do some partnerships with some tools to help move you forward to solve new problems for yourself and your customers. It's a really dynamic space technology, having been around business for a number of decades and seeing how technology has permeated areas where previously they, there wasn't technology. It, it disintermediates functions and, it, and then it complements it. And it feels like to me with uh, machine learning, artificial intelligence, the opportunity to use technology in different and unique ways is only about to explode because of the underpinnings of the enabling technologies. It is. Now, you brought up two terms. I'll add a third, big data. Mm. I'll say those three often get overused at small businesses. I go into SMBs. I say, oh, we need AI. We need big data. <laughs> Reality is you don't. Your big data, can you just count? You know, forget about trying to throw in these complicated data science models. Sit there and count. 
count things that are happening, count how many this happens today versus tomorrow versus the next day. If you can do basic counts, you suddenly have more information on which to judge your business. The AI ML, you know what, if you can just put some basic logic, and we're talking about an afternoon's worth of work, okay, you're not optimized 99.99%, but now you went from 50% to 92% optimization. So often we can get big wins with relatively small changes. It doesn't sound as sexy, but that's what works for a lot of businesses. Well, this has been a tour de force of uh, Mark Hirschberg and the, and the areas of interest and impact that you're making. I want to thank you for being a guest on the show. If people would like to learn more about you or your book or your app, uh, how do you suggest they connect with you, Mark? I'll give you two websites. The first, thecareertoolkitbook.com. You can see more about the book. Again, touch with me, follow me on social media. You can also go to that resources page with a free download, all of that at thecareertoolkitbook.com. The app you can find at cognoscomedia.com, C-O-G-N-O-S-C-O, media.com, slash brain hyphen bump. Or if you look on the app stores, iPhone and Android, Brain Bump is there. It's a problem with Apple right now. It's not uh, coming up in search, but certainly from the Cognosco Media Brain Bump page, you can link right to the store and download it. And if you have content that you think would be relevant, business content, feel free again, touch and let me know and let's see if your content works for the app. Well, I want to thank you for giving your time and being a friend of the program and someone who spent a little bit of time with us here today talking about all that you're doing. Thanks for having me on the show. You're welcome. I'd like to thank our audience, too, for being a part of Orange County's longest-running business talk show. If you're an entrepreneur or an author and you have a story to tell and you'd like to be a future guest, reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm Rick, R-I-C, Franzi, F-R-A-N-Z-I. You can learn more about what we do here in Orange County, California by visiting my website. It's the same thing, rickfranzi.com. And until the next time we have a chance to be together, I hope all of your business decisions We'll move your company in a positive direction.